This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras on 680 CJOB. Passes Calaris down the middle and he's got a receiver. What a catch by Lawler at the 21 yard line. He was falling down, reached up and pulled it in. That was a highlight catch. Now that was uh, Kenny Lawler catching a pass from Zach Caleros back on December 5th of the West Final at IG Field. Um, big catch there from Kenny Lawler. We'll be uh, hearing more of that. Uh, was uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers announced that Kenny Lawler is returning to the team and now eligible to play. He will practice with the team tomorrow, Tuesday, uh, the 18th, of course, and uh, will return to game action against the Edmonton Elks on Thursday, July 20th at IG Field. So this Thursday will be uh, his season opener. Lawler will be available for media following uh, practice tomorrow. Uh, This coming... um, at the most opportune time, of course, the Bombers uh, losing to Ottawa, uh, 31-28. to Had complete control of that game, <laughs> except for the final uh, two and a half minutes there. Um, yeah, gut-wrenching loss. That's CFL football right there, hey? Yeah. Like, it's just, even no matter what the score is, you just, you, you can't count another team out. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, we saw what happened. It was just, That was one of the craziest finishes I've seen in quite some time. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to get to that. We'll talk some more Bombers. We'll talk Eric Carlson. We'll talk uh, the Winnipeg uh, Jets lineup as well. Uh, but first, bring it on to the show. Uh, bring it on to the show. Um, we're going to bring on the show uh, Morgan Barron, Winnipeg uh, Jets a forward who just recently signed a new two-year contract with the Jets. Hey, Morgan, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? Doing good, doing good. Uh, yeah, we're just talking some Bomber football, of course. Uh, what do you think about that? CFL team in Halifax in your hometown there. Yeah, people are pushing for it. I know there's been some talk about it, but uh, it'd be tough to replicate anything near what the Bombers have done the last few years. I know it's been a tough week from what I've heard, but uh, yeah, people <laughs> yeah. are excited about CFL football here, so hopefully we get a team. Yeah, the Atlantic game's coming up pretty soon with the Riders and uh, Argo. So I, first question i got to ask you, how, how have you healed up? How's the face? <laughs> it's good. Most people seem to think it's it's better than what they expected it to look like, so I'm pretty happy with it so far as still a little bit of a scar but it's uh hopefully it'll keep disappearing slowly over the next few years yeah morgan you were kind of the talk of the hockey world last april after that skate incident in game one and so i was just sort of wondering like how how do you stay composed and focused for the rest of the game coming back is that common cool approach something that you've always had or because if, if that was me i would probably be screaming and rolling on the ice crying so let, you know, have you always had that sort of calm approach yeah, I think so. Honestly, part of it's probably just being dumb. I didn't really think it would take off the way it did. and um, You know, I didn't really think twice about it. The doctors did a good job. and Once they pump uh, all their injections and stuff into your face, you don't really feel all that much anyway. So, um, yeah, obviously the internet and stuff made a pretty big deal out of it. But, um, yeah, for me, it was just kind of another day. And obviously I was really lucky. It kind of got the part of my face that it did instead of getting an eye or something like that. Yeah, so since that game in the, in the playoffs, there's been lots of changes with the with the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, uh, Pierre Luc Dubois has been traded to Los Angeles. Uh, Gabe Velarde, Rasmus Kupari, Alex uh, Iafalo coming here. Of course, uh, Blake Wheeler uh, been uh, has been bought out since. Uh, what are your thoughts so far on the changes? 
been an exciting off season for sure. Um, obviously, I think we'll miss Wheels and Doobie quite a bit. They're they're obviously really good players for us. But um, you know, these are the guys coming in, and I think it's an exciting progression for us. I think it's going to really help us remain competitive, and we should be one of the deepest teams in the league based on um, you know everything that's happened so far. So we're all really excited about it. I think. And obviously, I wish the best of those two guys moving on, but. Um, you know, it's exciting times in Winnipeg, and I think we're all excited to get back. Yeah, where do you think the team can go? Uh, well, I think it can go deeper than we did last year. I know that's the goal for everybody, right, is to get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. and then You never know what can happen. You saw what happened with Florida this year going all the way as an eight seed. So, um, you know, obviously the goal is to get in, but I truly do believe that, you know, we can be even more competitive than we were this year with the lineup that, um, you know, we'll be hitting the ice in September, October. Have you have you had a chance to to go back and sort of – uh, look back at the playoffs, look back at the regular season and, and, and reflect? Yeah, sometimes we'll go through and kind of click through the games. And Obviously, it was a tough, was a tough playoffs there for us. You know, after the first game, it, it seemed like we were heading in the right direction. And then, um, you know, obviously we lost the four straight. But I do think it was a much closer series than probably a lot of people gave it credit for. You know, you, you flip that game three overtime, um, overtime result, and all of a sudden we're up 2-1 with the fourth game at home. So, um, you know, I'm sure every team who lost is probably sitting there talking about what could have been, but I do feel like, uh, you know, with some of the changes we've made and, and uh, you know, everybody kind of pulling together, um, I think we have a really good chance to continue being competitive moving forward. Yeah, Morgan, you were great in the role that you started with last year. And then towards the end of the season, you really started, the, the points started to come along a lot more. Um, is there an added pressure to continue to surpass your career highs or is the mindset sort of, you know, just, to show up and play the right way, and if the points come, then they come. Um, I, I have faith that you know if if I play the right way and continue to do that next season, I think the points will come. You know, it's I don't think it's worth stressing about over, over the season. There's going to be cold spells and there's going to be hot streaks and such. But um, you know, I have full confidence in myself that if I'm just able to show up and, and continue to play the way that I know I'm capable of playing, then those points and hopefully those career highs will kind of continue to come. So what's sort of the the one thing that you feel that this team needs to improve on for this next season to take that step forward? I think consistency is probably the biggest thing. You know, it felt like this season there's a lot of ebbs and flows. And, um, you know, you talk about going on long winning streaks and then losing streaks. And I just feel like we need to find a way to kind of normalize that over the course of 82 games and then into the playoffs. And, um, you know, if we're able to do that, I think, talking to a lot of guys back home um, who play for different teams and who we played against through the year. Um, you know, you get different reactions based on what time of year we played them, whether some some guys you'll talk to and say, geez, I thought you guys were going to really go deep in the playoffs, and other guys probably don't agree with that. So um, just to kind of find a way to normalize it and continue to play that, that same game for 82 games. And I think there was times we took a step towards that last year, but um, I think it's going to be another opportunity for us to improve that. What derailed that consistency in, this, in the second half of the regular season? Sorry, can you say that again? What what derailed that consistency in the in the second half of the season? Uh, you know, it's hard to say. If, if we had the answers, it obviously would have been fixed at the mm-hmm. time, right? Like yeah. sometimes it just seems like a little puck luck, and then um, you know you kind of get down on yourself or, or whatever it may be. So um, you know, I, I think it's just be put those losses behind you and move on, and kind of not let one thing compound into another. 
Now, I remember Pierre-Luc Dubois at the, at the end of the season, of course, and now, now he's a member of the Los Angeles Kings, but he, he, he said that maybe maybe it would have been better if if the team perhaps in the beginning would have lost some of the games that, that maybe that you guys maybe shouldn't have won. And then, and then it wasn't like, and then you weren't re- rewarded with a lot of great efforts that you guys had in the back half of the season and, and where you couldn't find wins. Do you, do you agree with that, that, that you need to sort of go through some, some tougher times to build towards something better as the season goes on? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we can always draw on the things from this year and use those to learn for next year too. I mean, you obviously, you want to win games, whether at the start of the year or the end of the year. And at the end of the day, you really want to win them whether you deserve them or not, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, those games that we won at the start of the year were a big reason that we were able to hold on to a spot at the end of the season. So, um, yeah, I think it's just about really evaluating performance and kind of being able to step back. And whether it was a win or a loss, just be honest with yourself about whether you really deserve to win, how you thought you played, and kind of how you can improve. So, um, again, these are all steps, and we're kind of learning them as a team. But... Um, you know, like I said, it, we used a lot of those wins and we're able to bank some of them to get in the playoffs. So, Morgan, how's the preparation been for you this off season? You know, is it are you focusing on one particular thing, or is it sort of just you know work on all the aspects of the game and just continue to get faster and stronger and all that? Uh, definitely the faster, stronger. I know for me, I feel like I had a lot of opportunities to score around the net that didn't go in that you know I'd like to be able to convert on next season. So. Um, that's obviously been a big, big point of emphasis for me so far. Getting on the ice is just finding a way to bury loose pucks and kind of create more offense for myself and my teammates. But um, other than that, it's kind of been the same thing, just trying to stay healthy and really prepare myself. That was the, the most games I played in the year last year, and um, hopefully we can do all 82 next year. But oh, I think we uh, maybe we uh, we just lost uh, we just lost Morgan Barrett. <laughs> I was going to ask him how his summer's going. Quit pummeling him with questions and stuff like that. Maybe we can. Oh, Morgan, do we got you there? I still got, yeah, I still got you guys there. I oh. lost you for a second. Oh, okay, okay, perfect. Uh, I, yeah, just um, how, how's your summer been going? What have you, what you been up to? Everything's been great. It's, it's yeah. been a lot of fun to be back home for a little bit. I'm back here in Halifax, so um, playing some golf and traveling around a little bit and, and just spend some time with buddies back home. So i got nothing to complain about. It's been great. Uh, you meet up with Rick at any point, uh, head coach of the, of the Winnipeg uh, Jets, Rick Bonus. I know he's, uh, I know he's summers there as well. Yeah, no, I haven't seen him yet. I'm actually he's a charity golf tournament. He runs uh, mm-hmm. every summer, so I'm going to play in that next weekend in Moncton, New Brunswick. So I'll see him there, and uh, you know it's a small world. I see run into a lot of people who have seen him at a rink or at a golf course or something like that. So it'd be good to see him and kind of talk a little hockey. For for Winnipeggers, what's the best part about Halifax and the Maritimes? <laughs> Usually, I love the summer weather. We've had a ton of rain right now, yeah. um, but I love being coastal, being on the coast, and, and having the ocean, the beaches, and uh, you know, it's just a really fun city. I think a lot of a lot of people who probably followed the World Juniors this year got to see, uh, you know, how passionate it is for hockey out here, right? Like the yeah. every game was packed. So, um, yeah, people love their hockey, but it's a great place of summer. Lots of good golf and uh, great restaurants. Everything I, I love it out here. Yeah, absolutely. Morgan Barron, Winnipeg Jets forward, uh, signs a new uh, a new deal uh, with, with the Jets avoiding, uh, of course, avoiding arbitration. I don't think anyone thought it was going to get to that point. But, uh, Morgan, thanks so much. You take care, okay? Enjoy your summer. We'll see you here in September. Thanks, Morgan. Sounds good. Thank you guys for having me. Awesome stuff. I uh, really appreciate him taking the time to to pop on here. Of course, uh, Morgan Barron uh, just just signing a new uh, uh, new deal, coming off his entry-level deal with the Winnipeg Jets worth $1.35 million. Uh, Tyson, yeah, great conversation there with Morgan. Yeah. No, it was a great combo. It was yeah. some good insight to how him and probably other members of the Jets are kind of thinking towards 
as the season's approaching, you know, what are the, some things that they can do differently? And obviously didn't the season didn't end the way that the Jets mm-hmm. wanted to, but it'll be interesting to see how training camp unfolds. Yeah, and there's going to be a balance. There needs to be some balance. There needs to be balance. And I think that this lineup is more balanced heading into this season here. Totally. And, and Morgan Barron spoke about that. Um, you know, of course, the, the teammates and, and all that other stuff going into a locker room. I'm sure they're going to miss Blake Wheeler and Pierre-Luc Dubois. But of course, uh, as if as in every, every, every as in every NHL um, offseason change is coming. Let's take a break. On the other side, let's come back. We'll we'll kind of kick around that idea about depth with the Winnipeg Jets. We'll talk about their um, their bottom six, how that potentially could shape out as well. Eric Carlson, is he getting traded? I think so. <laughs> we'll see. We will see. The Sharks going to have to swallow up some more cash. Anyways, we'll get into that as the show goes on. Don't go anywhere. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Welcome back to the show. Cam Poitras, Tyson Ruwicki, Jim Toth is away. He'll be back next week. Um, we just had a conversation with Morgan Barron in the first segment. If you miss that, you can find it on the CJOB Audio Vault. But I urge you, urge you to download uh, the Jets at Noon podcast. Jets at, like you're sending an email, noon, Jets at Noon. You can find us on Apple. You can find us on Spotify, wherever you're finding your podcast. Give us a download. Uh, we are in the process of crushing Greg Mackling uh, and the Blue Bomber pro- podcast. Um, but crushing is not good enough. It needs to envelop. It needs to absorb like it needs to like just just rip it apart so much it's it just becomes a puddle of nothing. That was that was one thing I noticed when I started doing the shift last week was just the vitriol and hate that you and Greg Macklin have towards each other. Yeah, over there's this. This the, is... yeah, there's a lot of hate. There's a lot of it's there's bad blood, that's for sure. And he he you know he was walking around like a big shot when the Blue Bomber podcast was doing real well, but now the Jets and Noon podcast is doing. Pretty well, like thing too. So. Although I do think there might be some uh, some traction on the on the Bombers podcast after this past game. Hey, like, <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I don't know. There's all this conversation now about the offensive line, the defense. I'm I'm on I'm on the I'm on the I'm in this position right now, Tyson. Of I'm just holding holding fast here. I think the Bombers dominated that game for five minutes for 57 minutes and 30 seconds. They had total control, a fumble, a pick six, everything unravels after that. Um, I don't question this team's mental capacity. I just saw a bunch of missed plays by guys on this team that I've watched for years now make plays. And I didn't see them make plays in that in that final two and a half. I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat it. It was a gut-wrenching loss. Um, like, la- <laughs> pun intended, the Bombers fumbled every single chance they could have had at winning that game. They had several chances to win that game, um, despite dominating it for so long, even in those final few seconds, and they just couldn't do anything. Um, and so there's some def- some guys on defense coming back, Jamal Parker, Winston Rose, Kyrie Wilson. Um, I think the lack of the running game, like that is the one thing I think you need to circle on, and there really wasn't any room for Brady Oliveira uh, to go. So I think you can look at the offensive line on that one a little bit. Um but yeah, that that's sort of my assessment here. I'm not I'm not panicking. That's not to say Saturday I wasn't miserable. Oh yeah. That's not to say I was oh, <laughs> I yeah. wasn't completely miserable on Saturday <laughs> after that game. Um, I was uh, just you know as a fan and 
you know, watching that happen was not was not fun, and it wasn't pretty. But I'm I'm certainly not in panic mode. Well, and how many times, just going back, like let's say six seven years, did we see the New England Patriots struggle out of the gate? You know, yeah. they, they start the season two and two or two Is and four three. and two struggling. Exactly right. Yeah. Like, and that's and those games. It's it sounds bad, but those are games where you should win. Yeah. So the, like the loss is going to sting because of the comeback, but in the back of your mind, you know that. Well, I mean, if we're firing on all cylinders, we crush this team in a full 60 minute effort. It's, it's about getting to the getting into the right frame of mind to to, to battle through. And, every, and I understand every season to me is different, right? Every season is different. And I, I, I go back to 2019 uh, before the pandemic. You know, the Bombers had two horrendous losses in not as bad as that one, but in similar fashions in last second losses to the Argonauts and the Alouettes in games that they should have won in that season. Right. Zach Caleros comes in. Times change, but they hit the ground running in that final win at IG Field against the Calgary Stampeders. They go back to Calgary. They win. They go to Saskatchewan. They win. And then they um, then they end up winning the, 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 the Grey Cup then that year as well. And so I'm saying that there's it's not linear. You know, the team went 15-3 and three last year in the regular season, and they lost in the Grey Cup. So, um, yeah, I mean, Bill and St. James says, I wonder if the bomb D, Bombers D was just mentally uh, exhausted giving the possession time by Ottawa uh, by the second half. Um, yeah, so, and Cameron says that the Bomber game was like watching a, a, a train wreck in, in slow motion. I still thought they were going to win in overtime. I was like, okay, I have the Bombers still going to win this game. I that's That's my confidence level in the team, but... Crumb. Yikes. Trail of crumbs. <laughs> Trail of crumbs. Do, do you think that the Bombers struggle a little bit with more mobile quarterbacks? Like- um, well, if we go back to Chad Kelly in the Great Cup when he kind of took over, I think that was a I, – I don't think for a second. Of course, I don't know what the Bombers called on some of those defensive plays. I don't. Right. Um, they're not going to tell anybody. Uh, certainly not. Right. But I, I have to think those are missed assignments. I don't. I don't think the Bombers – after they got burned on that final play uh, when Ottawa got a touchdown there, I don't think that they would have left him completely center of the field like that on a run right after he burned them. I, I, I just don't think. I think there was a missed assignment. There, there was a mistake made in the defense. Or maybe it was just a good offensive play call. I don't know. This is the kind of fun thing about football. We don't really know what was going on, and we kind of just watch things unfold, and there's a million moving parts. Uh, anyways, uh, the Winnipeg Jets and their bottom six. Again, if you missed that conversation with Morgan Barron, download the podcast. You can tune in and uh, and listen to that. He's sporting a new two-year deal, uh, 1.35 mil uh, for the next two seasons. And, uh, yeah, he's going to be sticking around uh, the Winnipeg Jets at least. Uh, well, you never know what's going to happen, uh, but he's still going to remain an RFA with arbitration rights in 2025-2026. Uh, the Winnipeg Blue, uh, the Winnipeg Jets and their projected lines um, I'm going to let you go first here because I think the bottom six and Morgan Barron said this, I think the team is more deep and I think they're more balanced now. I think, I think that's totally true. They have a full season of Nemestikov. They have a full season of Niederreiter, uh, this year. And of course, bringing in I Fallo, uh, Velarde and Kupari. I think this team is a lot deeper than it was. Um, where do you see things right now? Give me, give me your, give me the Tyson Rewicki, uh, line lineup, the lines. I, I agree with you that they're, that they're deeper. And I think that they're also more sound on the defensive end. Yeah. Adding Gabe Velarde and Alex Iafalo just is going to help that team defense aspect. Both of those guys are above average defensive players. And so like for my lines starting the season, I'd roll with the Connor Shifley Nino first line. Oh, 
and I'd bring Nino up there. He he adds that defensive presence, that reliable winner on that line for two mm-hmm. guys who, for lack of a better term, have some lacking abilities on the defensive end at times. Yeah. But I think that just having that steady presence, a guy who can come in on the four check, be that big body on that line, I think. And people forget, too, just because that for a lot of the season or for a lot of parts, he was playing on that checking line mm-hmm. for the Jets. He's got some legitimate goal scoring ability. Okay. And if he's playing on that top six, I think he can very easily score 25, 30, probably pushing it. But 20 to 25 goals for Nino on that top line. I think that's very doable. Um, My second line, it's my quote unquote, quote unquote, second line would be Nikolai Ehlers, Cole Perfetti down the middle, Mm -hmm. and Gabe Velarde on the right side. And I think, see, with that line, when you're especially when you're at home, I think a lot of the times you're going to be using your line matching abilities so that the Adam Lowry line would be taking on the top assignments. And then for the most part, teams are going to be putting that second, that their sort of second line against the Mark Shifley line. And that just gives opportunities for Ehlers, Perfetti, and Velarde to kind of get used to each other get some chemistry mm-hmm. going and then you're also feasting on sort of lesser competition than their skill because that is an insanely skilled line there yeah and if they're playing against teams third lines maybe even sometimes fourth lines i think there could be a real case for some domination there mm-hmm. and so that's what i rolled rolled with there my third line i went with vladin mesnikov adam lowry and right now i have mason appleton with four question marks beside him why just be, i i wonder if there's if there's going to be kind of a balance on the third and fourth lines mm-hmm. where Mason Appleton, because last year there was times where the fourth line was getting limited minutes. And I think now with the departures of Pierre-Luc Dubois and Blake Wheeler, the line, the ice times are going to have to be a little more balanced and just continue. And having Appleton on the fourth line will give you more of a stable presence there. And like right now for the fourth line, that's where I'm, kind of at a loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have, I have Morgan Bear in there right now, and yeah. then those last two spots, you're looking at Rasmus Kupari, um, Axel Janssen, Yalbi, who I'll be really interested to see where he sort of fits with this group this year. I'm a huge fan of him. I think that he he reminds me a lot of Brandon Tanev. He, it's not the heavy hits that he lays like Tanev does, but he's always first in the four check. He's, a, he's got speed for days, too, and he's showed a little bit of skill, too, at times. And David Gustafson, I think, would have to be sort of that fourth line center right now if I had to choose. You put it you put David Gustafson in there. I think I would. The problem with David Gustafson to me, and I no fault against him, he hasn't proven himself because he's been injured constantly. Yeah. That that's as, as easy as it is. I think if he had more games, I'd be willing to put him in there, but he just he just has not been able to stay healthy and, and that and that's hurt him. So he okay, this is what I got my top line, Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley, and Nick Ehlers. Ooh. On my top line. The fully charged. To throw it all together. Because I think there needs to be I think those guys got to go out there and score. I, that's what I think. I think they have to go out there and they have to score. I think you match them up properly and you throw them out there and it's like, guys, go out there and just and just uh, put the puck in the back of the net. Second line, and this is just how I think things are going to start during the season, right? I think this is how things, and these, of course, are going to change over the course of the year, injuries and, and matchups and all that sort of thing. Uh, second line, Nita Ryder uh, on the left wing, uh, Perfetti down the middle, and then uh, Gabe Velarde on the right side. I just think with Perfetti uh, easing into a role, and I think the Winnipeg Jets have said as much, he's going to be playing center this year. Um, I, I, I think that they're going to, you know, Niederreiter and, and Velarde, two big guys, six foot two. I think you're, you're going to need some some size on that line just to protect Perfetti and give him some more space out there while he sort of learns uh, the middle of the ice. 
uh, third line. Uh, Alex, I have follow uh, Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton. I think Appleton and Lowry, when they've been together, have just worked the best. I think they bring each other's the, the best out of each other. And I think bringing on Ayafalo, uh, he sort of meets the sort of uh, the territory of that line. You know what I mean? You, you know, uh, two way sort of guy that can score, chip in a couple of uh, chip in a couple of goals. And then on the fourth line, I got Morgan Barron, Vladislav Nemestikov down the middle, and then uh, Rasmus Kupari. I, I, I think that I think that that I think this fourth line is. Um, uh, guys that can go out there, grind it out, and I think they can they can score a couple of goals. I, 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 I think that the Winnipeg Jets, when they were doing well last year, were getting good production from their fourth line. When that dried up, everything else seemed to dry up as well, and um, that that's something that's going to need to continue. They're going to need secondary scoring. They're going to need scoring from their thir- from the third and the fourth line, um, and and I think that they can get it. I think that they can. I think that they can get it with with that lineup there. That's that's the way I see things. Axel Janssen Fialbi will be the um, will be the the, the scratched. Uh, the scratch forward. I, I, I just think that uh, David Gustafson, I think he's going to go back down to the moose. I, I don't think they're going to keep him on the roster just because of how, how deep I just think he moves too far down. And then uh, Declan Chisholm and Logan Stanley are going to be the two other scratches because I don't think the Winnipeg Jets want to lose those guys on waivers. Cause I think they'll both get snapped up. Yeah. You can't have another Johnny Kovacevic situation yeah, again no. this year where you're losing guys who couldn't contribute at an NHL level for, for nothing like you yeah. can't you can't be having that kind of that that asset management and i'd actually forgotten alex alex i follow on my lineup so i would <laughs> i would push mason appleton down to the fourth line with morgan Barron and david gustafson for mm-hmm. the moment and have i follow with nemesnikov and lowry i like it what do you guys think 204 780 this uh, texture says as we go to break uh, if the Jets have a good season, would Hellebuck and Shifley re-sign here? I, I think everything's open, particularly with with Mark Shifley. Uh, thanks for that text, though. By the way, I, I just think I think when it comes to Mark Shifley, and based on what, and of course, I haven't spoken to Mark Shifley. We can only get go on based on what we hear and what we've heard Kevin Chivaldayoff say about Mark Shifley. He's open for ev- for everything. He's open to looking at a trade if it's there. He's open to re-signing with the Jets, or he's open to you know starting the season here as a Winnipeg Jet and seeing what happens. So I think everything is on the table uh, for Mark Shifley. For Connor Hellebuck, uh, he has made it very, very clear that he wants to win. That's what he wants to do. He wants to be on a team that has a chance to win the Cup. Whether it's here or it's another, it's another place somewhere else, uh, I, I I think that that's just a possibility. I think there's there's dollar figures that are going to get involved here, and I think the Winnipeg Jets are the team that might be uh, the best equipped to give him the value that he's worth. Yeah, no, that's it's going to be an interesting season once once it cut kicks around, and it's it's all going to depend on the start. You know, we've seen this team have really good starts, and hey, if that can maybe sway your opinion, maybe the root, maybe the vibe in the locker room is a little bit different. Yeah. Things start to change, culture starts to change. Maybe that's the sign of, and if you can lock in Hellebuck because of that culture change, then all of a sudden I think you see a more willingness to come towards Winnipeg. Let's take a break. Let's come back. Eric Carlson, the saga continues. You know, I'm not, I was, we'll, we'll talk about this. You know what team has a lot of calf space right now? The Anaheim Ducks? The Winnipeg Jets. Oh, don't even go there. You're joking, right? <laughs> yes, I'm joking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm so All right. See you guys. We'll be right back on the other side. 
Chats at noon on 680-CJOB. Welcome back to the show. Uh, Scott in Minnesota says, guys, I like the current lineup to win now, but I think they lose both players, Hellebuck and Shifley, next summer. If that's the case, would you roll with the current lineup and let it play out? Scott in Minnesota. That's dangerous. I mean, I no matter where the team is, I think you got to move them. At the deadline, you can't let them walk for nothing. You can't. You can't, Johnny Gaudreau, that situation can't happen here in Winnipeg. Those guys are way too important to this team as of right now to where you, if you lose them for nothing, you are going into a full-fledged, complete rebuild at that point. And I don't think that's something that this team wants to entertain at this point. Yeah, Kyle says as well, 204-780-6868. Now Kyle Melroy producing the show, another Kyle. Uh, I'll give it 10 games before Nemestikov is the the second center. Perfetti is too slow and small. Uh, to be a center in the National Hockey League. Well, actually, he's uh, an inch taller than... Uh, Perfetti's an inch taller than Vladislav Nemesnikov, and uh, he's five pounds heavier and nine. So if Nemesnikov is big enough to be a center in the National Hockey League, well, then certainly Cole Perfetti would be more suited in terms of size. So anyways, thanks for the text messages, 204-780-6868. Well, and even that injury that Perfetti had, it might not be the worst thing for him in terms of bulking up, yeah. adding some size this offseason. I think that's going to be a huge part for him this offseason. So uh, anyways, we'll wrap up the show here. Final little segment here. Uh, Eric Carlson. You oh think he's, he's, he's going, so you think he's getting traded. Who do you think he's getting traded to? I'm. It pains me to say this too, but I think he's going to be a Pittsburgh Penguin. Mm-hmm. And I think Kyle Dubas is going to do, he's going to try to make that big splash because that taking that job, there is no way ownership did not meet with them to say, we need to give Sidney Crosby, Chris Letang and Evgeny Malkin one last shot at legitimately winning a cup for us. And I think that's what, that's what the plan is. And there's, there's ways that Pittsburgh can get out of some of their bad contracts, right? I mean, we were talking about this last week where you would probably have to add a guy like Mikhail Granlin, who's, Ron Hextall's last poison pill for that Pittsburgh franchise, <laughs> just saddling, saddling them with a, with a long-term contract there. So I think there's, there's room for that to work and it's going to be a hefty package though. Yeah. If, it, if it does go down. Yeah. I, I just think, I don't think this is going to happen uh, now. I don't think it's going to happen in the off season. I think the sharks and uh, Greer, their general manager reportedly only willing to eat about 3 million per season for the remaining four years at 11 and a half. He's going to have to take more on than that. Cause the Winnipeg jets, can't even move. Um, I mean, a team wouldn't be bringing uh, a team wouldn't be bringing Eric Carlson on to be a part of a rebuild. They would bring him on to be a final piece to a puzzle. All those teams right now in this cap world are right up against it, right? They're all right up against it. I mean, you couldn't even find there's all the teams that are real competitors can't even find room for a guy like Connor Hellebuck to just over $6 million. And so, I, I just think that a, a, a deal could happen. I don't think it's going to happen now. I think that the Sharks are going to have to eat more of that salary because if they're only willing to take three and then that uh, three million and drops it down to eight and a half, that's not going to work. They're going to have to take on 50. And it's, you know, it's their fault for signing such a stupid contract. That contract has done more damage to the San Jose Sharks than anything. Oh, yeah. It, it's completely set their rebuild back and, like and a year at it, least. It's term. 
They're bringing him on with terms, so they're offering him up at eight and a half with four years on a defenseman that scored 100 points last year, and they can't move it yeah. because there's no room in money. Anyways, Tyson, he's going to be back. He's going to be producing tomorrow. I'll be back tomorrow on the show as well. Uh, yeah, Jim told he'll be back next week. That's it for me. I'll be back same time tomorrow. See ya. Chats at noon on 680 CJOB.